Hi, I'm Micah, and I will be reading Exodus chapter 4, verses 5 through 17. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. This concludes the word of the Lord. You may now be seated. Good job. Good morning, everybody. I'm Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I hope we can have a conversation later today. Hey, I just want to highlight that this morning um, we have awesome next generation um, members of our congregation leading, Micah, who read the scripture, Sydney on the guitar, and Ben in the back um, flipping sides. Can we give a, a round of applause for next generation leaders? You know, and, and that's what it's all about in the church, isn't it? Um, that we're a gathered people of God, uh, helping each other find Jesus and follow him. And it's just awesome to see. Um, it just gives me great hope. Um, and I hope it does for you too that we have um, the next generation in, in good hands. Um, hey, uh, part of my story, maybe you don't know this or not, but I uh, spent six years in South Africa with my family from 2012 uh, to 2018, and we had a lot of amazing experiences there. There's some cultural differences, and one of the cultural differences is the way they do the circus. Um, I grew up going to Bojangles Coliseum, if you've ever been to an event there, um, going to, you know, the, uh, the Barnum and Bailey Circus every year. And uh, I remember one time my dad bought a, a clown poster for some reason, and then I was terrified of that for a long time. Uh, but when we got to South Africa, we, we saw posters that there was a circus coming to town. And so I, in my mind's eye, I had the idea of Bojangles Coliseum and what that was. But when we arrived, it was just a tent on a lawn. 
and it was a small tent, and so we were kind of curious, and we went in, and it felt like we were kind of moving backwards in time. Maybe we're in the 1800s or something, but what was cool about it is that you were really close to the action, is that, you know, you sat right there, and the animals and the performers were all like 10 feet in front of you. It was amazing. And the event that stood out to me was the trapeze artist. And if you remember the trapeze is where there's two people on swinging uh, bars that are hanging from a rope high up in the top part of the tent. And one performer lets go of the bar. That's the, the jumper. And then there's another person on this side that is the catcher that's hanging upside down that catches the jumper in the air. And I'm a person, my deepest fear is a fear of heights. I don't know if anybody else shares that fear, but I'm deeply terrified of heights. And so this is like the most amazing thing because I can't imagine ever doing that. And it was so amazing to be right there. But there's this dynamic between the jumper and the catcher. And one of the things that I noticed is that the jumper just has one job. The jumper's job is at the right moment, at the high arc of the bar, his job is just to let go. And he flies through the air in complete trust that the catcher on the other side will grab him just at the right moment and save him and lead him to the other side of the tent. And as I think about that metaphor, I think it's the perfect metaphor for the series that we're in, Experiencing God. Because what we're looking at is like, what does it look like to be in a dynamic love relationship with the God who made the universe? What does it look like to follow him? And that it, the, the idea is it's an experience and God's inviting us into a trust relationship and in this relationship, we are the jumpers. We are the ones that are called to, to just be on the ride and at the right moment, let go. And then we're to trust that God, who's the catcher, will catch us at the right moment and lead us where we need to go. And so we've been in this series kind of looking at some different elements of, of what that dynamic looks like of letting go of our lives and of taking that leap of faith and of trusting him and allowing God to catch us on the other side. And so today we're going to continue in that. And what I want to talk about is this idea that um, every time God invites us to experience and follow him more deeply, it always leads to a crisis of belief. And I just want you to imagine the crisis of belief is that moment when you let go and you fly through the air of life and you have to trust that God will catch you on the other side. So one question is, why would God do this? Why would God lead us to places where we have a crisis of belief? Because that's a scary place to be. But the reality is that we won't know what we really believe until we really need to believe it. And it's not that God wants us to be terrified. It's that he wants us to trust him and to really not just know about him, but to know him. And so to explore this dynamic of what it looks like and feels like to be in a crisis of belief. I want to return to a familiar story. We've been in this before, but it's such a rich story. I want to camp in it again today, and it's what Micah read in the book of Exodus. If you have your scriptures, you can open. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. And in, in, in this story, Moses, if you remember the kind of the backstory um, for the first 40 years of his life, he's a prince in Egypt, though he's a Hebrew. And then um, there's a moment where he slays a, an Egyptian overseer, and he flees into the wilderness in Midian, where he lives for, for 40 years in relative obscurity. And then there's this moment when he's 80 years old, 
when God captures his attention at the moment of the burning bush and God reveals himself and God invites an 80-year-old Moses who thinks all is lost in my life. My life hasn't counted. I messed up my one opportunity. And in this moment, God invites Moses into one of the most profound moments in redemptive history. And so as we sit in this story, what we're going to see and unpack is this uh, crisis of belief that really has four parts that I want us to pay attention to today. And the first part is a crisis of identity because uh, in, ch- in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, when God invites Moses to join him in uh, saving his people out of Egypt, Moses begins to protest. Verse 11, Moses protested to God, who am I? to appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? And this is, these are questions about identity. These are questions of Moses remembering the backstory, Moses believing he's not enough, he doesn't have what it takes, and his story has affirmed that. And as we sit in this, um, what I want us to pay attention to is that when God invites us to participate with him in his journey, to join us in his work, often that leads to a crisis of identity of us saying we don't have what it takes, that we blew it at some point in our life. And I'm imagining that some of us can really identify with that. I've talked to so many people in our congregation uh, as we've talked about, hey, join us in the work, lead something, step out in faith, like be part of what's going on. Don't just be a, a, a participant, but actually get in there and use your giftedness. And so many people respond with a, I don't have what it takes, Gabe. You don't really know me. I'm not a leader. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I am in my life. But what I want you to hear is you're not alone. You're not alone in that. And so I'd love for you to think of a time in your life, maybe in your past, when you thought God might do something really significant. Maybe you recognized that God was inviting you as you look back on your life, um, that God was inviting you to be part of something significant. But maybe as you think about that time in your life, you think, but I, I blew it. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but maybe it's that, you know, you just took the road more traveled. You took the easy way out. Maybe you never took the time to develop your faith. You, you say, you know, I was once uh, part of a vibrant community, but then, you know, I started to live my own story. And maybe you're still living out of that story. Maybe you made a really bad choice that impacted your life in a negative way. And, and deep down inside, when you're alone at night, you think, you know, that choice really defines you. Maybe you, you know that you have a part of your character that doesn't measure up to God's standard, but that part of you is at the forefront of your story and your journey, and maybe it comes up time after time after time, and maybe you can identify with Moses saying, who am I? Who am I that I would be invited to help people find and follow Jesus, to give life to people. But here's what I want to tell you as you wrestle with a crisis of identity, because this is what God tells Moses, is your history does not define you, but it can inform you. It can show you and reveal to you the the cracks um, in your character. It can reveal to you the ways that you're inclined to, to believe that you're not enough, that you don't have what it takes. And so we see that, you know, your history can either be a tether that's pulling you backwards into your past, or it can be a propeller that's moving you forward. But God always wants to use your history, to use the things that have happened to you, the good and especially the bad, to move us forward. And it's like Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, this thing I do, I forget the past, and I press on 
in faith towards my calling in Christ Jesus. And so 40 years go by in Moses' life, and he's 40 years in the wilderness, and he's living with the smelly sheep and the mundane things of life, and he asks, who am I? And then that one day at that burning bush, the invitation. And so God was calling him out of his smaller story and into God's bigger story. And so I want us to, to focus on, you know, the life of, of a Christian is a life of discipline. That root word discipline is the same word as discipleship. And so there's a discipline to pay attention to here. If you're wrestling with your own identity and worth, the discipline is dealing with your story. It's not ignoring it, it's confronting it and saying, these are the things I believe about myself and understanding that God can handle it. You can take that to him. And hopefully, you're part of a community too where there's people who can handle your past as well and who can remind you that you're not defined and tethered to your past. But this discipline of dealing with our story and understanding and processing our past, what that leads to when we're confronted with the gospel is that we can see our past transformed and used to tell us who we really are. And so this next movement, this next element in the crisis of belief is, is first, it's a question about who am I, Moses says. But the second thing is he says, who are you, God? Who are you? And so it's also a crisis in the realm of identity, but it's a crisis all about God's character that Moses doesn't trust who God is. Verse 13, Moses, again, protests, and I think that's so often the case, isn't it? When we feel invited by God into something, when we feel challenged with a dream or a vision for our life that seems like it's too big for us, that we protest, and so that's what Moses does. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, and so what is he doing here? Moses is imagining a future that hasn't happened yet. How often do we do that? See, we, we, we're prone to be tethered to our past, but we're prone to imagine a future where things won't work out. But you see what God does when he asks, Moses asks, what is his name? What should I tell them? And the question is, do you really know God? And it's one thing to know about God, but it's another thing to know God. And so God redirects the conversation. Moses keeps trying to put the conversation back on himself. You know, who am I? What if this thing happens but God doesn't respond with an answer to Moses' question as much as he just says, I am who I am. He says, say to the people of Israel, verse 14, I am has sent me to you. And God says to Moses, say this to the people, Yahweh, which is significant. This is the first moment in human history where the God who created the universe tells a person his name. And his name is so amazing. I am. Think about that for a minute. God is saying, I'm before everything that was created. I exist outside of time. There's no way to define me except that it's simply, I am. And it's a reference to time. Think about that for a moment with human beings that are prone to be tethered to our past in unhealthy ways and, and, and prone to imagine a future where things won't work out. And in that moment of tethering to the past and imagining a future, God roots us back into the present. And he says, I am. This is my eternal name, the name to remember for all generations. And if we fast forward in the redemptive history, we remember that Jesus, when he walked the earth, repeated this. 
And Jesus said, I am. And so we know that the I am at the burning bush and the I am that walked among people that called ordinary fishermen out of their past, out of their mundane lives, out of a place where they thought they were done, where they weren't being invited in, God showed up as a living, breathing human being. And he said, I am, and I'm right here, and I'm right here in your presence. And that's so significant for us to remember today as we think about what does it look like to experience God, to join him in his work, to respond to his invitation, is to not be tethered to our past or propelled forward in an unhealthy future, but instead to be rooted right in the present with a God who is the great I am. Well, the third piece or element of our crisis of belief is a crisis of doubt we see in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Moses, again, protest. Here we are again, Moses protesting. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Again, imagining a future that hasn't happened yet. But God, in his goodness, meets Moses where he is, and he asks him a question. I love that, like, as God interacts with people, often he asks us a question. That's certainly been the case in my life as I've prayed in moments of unbelief and doubt. And when I've had a crisis of belief and I've prayed, God often asks me a question. And I wonder if it's that way for you too. And so it is with Moses in verse 2. The Lord asks him, what is it that's in your hand? And again, he's rooting Moses taking him, say, don't pay attention to the past. Don't pay attention to this imagined future. I want you right here in this moment with me, and I want you to pay attention to me and my face and who I am and who I say that you are, but I want to, you to pay attention to what I've placed in your hand in this moment. And Moses replies, why, well, it's a shepherd's staff. And so God says, throw it down on the ground. And in this moment, something miraculous happens, and when the staff hits the ground, it turns into a snake, and then Moses, or God gives Moses another command. He says, reach out and grab its tail. And I think this is what God is doing in this moment is he's inviting Moses into a micro experience of trusting him. Remember, he's about to invite Moses into a macro experience of trusting him. He's about to put it all on the line. Moses, I want you to leave the wilderness that you know. I want you to reject the, your story of your own identity. I want you to believe who I am and I'm going to call you to go, and I'm going to call you to confront the most powerful man on the face of the earth, the Pharaoh. And so in Moses' moment of doubt, God meets him in this small micro experience of faith, which for me, I'm just going to name, who here is afraid of snakes? I'm terrified of snakes. There was this moment uh, when we were, I might have told this story, I apologize, I repeat stories. Janet's always like, you've told them that, and you need to come up with some different stories. But... I only have one snake story, and I don't want any more, to be honest with you. We were doing construction on our house one time, and uh, we had some floor rotting, and we had hired a contractor to pull up floorboards, and this was during COVID, so I was quarantined up in my room or my office, and the workers were working, and there was a knock on my office door, and it was the foreman of the work crew, and he said, hey, uh, we've got a problem. We need you to come downstairs. And uh, came down there, and there was a snake coiled up in the insulation underneath the floorboards. And he said, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, you're not paying us enough to deal with this problem, so I'm going to need you to take care of this. 
And so I went and I got kitchen gloves and I got a bucket and I got tongs from the kitchen and I went in and just like Moses, I picked up that snake by the tail. But unlike Moses, that snake didn't turn into anything. I just threw him out in the yard and he probably honestly crawled back under my house and got back into bed. But as I think about that story, this micro experience of, of faith, man, what would it be to pick up the tail of a poisonous snake? That was a moment where God was saying, I want you to take what's in your hand. I want you to release it. Let's go back to our metaphor. When God invites us to trust him and to follow him and experience him, there's a moment, just like the trapeze artist, you have to let go. And you have to fly. And you have to trust that God's going to do something. And so this is exactly what's happening in this moment. So God calls Moses to put down what's in his hand. But then he says, I want you to pick it back up in faith and trust me that I'm going to do something with it and that I'm going to overcome this crisis of doubt because this is what this is in this story. What if, what if, Moses said, a crisis of doubt? How many times do we have what ifs in our life? How often in the last week have you uttered those words in your heart, what if, what if, what if this, this job doesn't work out? What if, what if things don't go well in this relationship? What if we don't have enough financial resources to sustain ourselves? What if I really don't have what it takes? What if the story of my past really is true and really is who I am? But you see, in this moment, God's inviting us to, to enter into our doubt in this crisis of doubt which is part of our faith journey. And I just want to say this too, that so often in the church, we're, we, we believe a lie, that, that doubt is like opposed to faith. But I want to tell you, doubt is a part of the journey of faith. And so if you have doubts, what you need to do is do what Moses does, is speak your doubt out loud. Don't wrestle with it in silence. Speak it to someone in the community. Come and speak it to me or to Bob or to Reza or to someone because I promise you it's not too much, and I promise you it's not something that God can't overcome. And then we enter into this discipline of putting down what is in our hands and giving it to God that he might call us to pick it up again, whether that's our money or our relationships or our time. Take what we have, release it to God, and trust him that he'll tell you at the right time to pick it back up, but in his way, in his time. Well, finally, we move uh, to the fourth element uh, in our crisis of belief, which is a crisis of fear, and this is in verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, and you can imagine, he's protesting, and now he's pleading, Lord, please send anyone else, anyone else. And so even after the micro experience of faith, Moses is struggling with identity, not believing who he is, not believing who God is, and he's struggling with fear. But here's the thing about fear and time. Fear can never really exist in the present. Think about it. Fear is always something in the future that we imagine. And the life of faith and experiencing God is not a life of fear. It's a, it's a life of faith. It's a life that's to be rooted in our present. And so there's just something really practical here is maybe you're struggling with fear that just comes up in the common things of our life that we're afraid. 
And in that moment, the invitation is to not live in that imagined future, but to instead be rooted in the present where God is present with us. Because God can deal with things in our presence. And he tells Moses, I am with you. And as I was thinking about this story, I was reminded of so many other stories in the scriptures. Oh, the one that stuck out to me was uh, in Judges chapter 6, when Moses calls Gideon. And if you remember the story of Gideon, Gideon, again, a person stuck in his story, a person who doesn't believe that he's worth being part of what God is doing. And when the angel comes to Gideon, do you remember what he says? He says, uh, oh, mighty warrior. What does he do? He gives Gideon a new name. And see, God is in the business of renaming us, of telling us who he is and telling us who we are. But then he also tells Gideon the same way he tells Moses, I will be with you. And so this final crisis of fear is overcome when we remember that God is with us. And I want to remind you of that today, that God is with you in whatever you're facing right now. So um, as we finish up the message for today, I'm going to invite Bob Ashley to come up. Bob's our care pastor here, and we're trying to create space at the end of each service, um, not just to hear a message and hear information, but space to process what you've heard. And I just want to invite you into this space of um, settling into maybe what your crisis of belief is, and Bob's going to lead us in a time that I hope will be beneficial to you as you go out into your week. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Gabe. It's a beautiful message, and I'm sure that you can resonate with parts of what you heard there in the story of Moses. Because as we respond to God's calling in our lives, we will experience times of crisis of belief. There's nothing to be ashamed in that, because you know if you've been through one that you'll be stronger having gone through it. And you know that as we focus on these things and, and think about our weaknesses, it will lead to us leading more, leaning more into the, to God's power to empower us and strengthen us. So I'd like to just review some of the points that Pastor Gabe talked about this morning. We're in a safe space. We're here in the sanctuary. God is with us. We are with Christian brothers and sisters. And I'd just like to take a moment to reflect on some of these points to see what points resonate with you. For example, Moses faced the crisis of who am I, that crisis of identity. He also had a a crisis of identifying the Lord. Who is the Lord? Who are you, the character of the Lord? He also said, What if he had all these doubts and questions, a crisis of doubt? He also had a crisis of fear. Lord, I I can't do it. Send anybody. Don't send me. Send somebody else. And I invite you this morning to reflect on these four points, to take a moment. We're going to take this moment of silence. Feel the presence of the Lord. Listen to promptings of the Holy Spirit. Which one of these points do you identify most with today? Maybe all four. Maybe there's one or two that are in particular. 
Let's take a moment now in silence and reflect on these points. So how is the Lord speaking to you this morning? Which one of these points is jumping off the slide at you? Again, maybe it's all four. And I want to remind us that we're, we're in a safe space, a sanctuary. We're here with the Lord. The Lord is leading us. The Lord is guiding us. And when we encounter a crisis of faith, we turn to his truth. We turn to his truth to be strengthened. And we depend on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to lead us in that process. And we depend on each other to unite in prayer. And let's do that right now. Join me in prayer as we pray together. And we pray over each one of these. And I'll take a moment after each statement, just allow you to to think again, what, what is it that you need to confess before the Lord today or call upon him or maybe you've gone through that and you found a particular strength and pray for the rest of us as you do that as well. Father God, we come before you this morning because just like Moses, we, we face a crisis of belief as we walk through our lives together, as we journey together. And here I stand this morning with my brothers and my sisters, and we stand before you, God. And we come before you and we say, Lord, help us in these areas. Maybe we're asking ourselves, who am I? Who am I to do what you have called me to do, Lord? And Father, remind us of the truth that you have known us all of our lives. You even before, before we were born, you formed us in our mother's womb. You have made us who we are. You have made us exactly how you want us to be. Remind us of that truth, Lord. No matter what our past mistakes may be, no matter what our failures may have been, remind us that we are who you made us to be. Remind us to turn to you for strength. we ask who are you 
are you, Lord? As you told Moses, you are the great I am. As your, as your word tells us, Lord Jesus, you are the Alpha and the Omega, who is and was and is to come. You always have been and you always will be. And if you are with us, who can be against us? Remind us of that strength, Lord. Remind us of that truth. questions of doubt come in, the what if, what if I don't do it well, what if they don't listen to me, what if, what if I'm not good enough, what if, what if, reveal in our hearts, Lord, where we need to reveal that to you and confess that to you. Remind us of the truth that your Holy Spirit dwells within us and teaches us and speaks through us and empowers us. As you were here on earth, Lord, you showed us that even Peter could walk on water. And if he could do that, then what can, great things can we do when we put our trust in you, Lord, and keep our focus on you? And when we have fears, and when we, like Moses, say, no, no, send somebody else. Don't send me. Father, remind us that you have all authority on heaven and earth and that you will be with us always. Because, Lord, we, we want to do like Isaiah. We want to shout, here I am, Lord, send me. But we need your power to overcome our fears. And, Lord, that's what we ask for this morning. That's what I stand here with my brothers and sisters and ask for this morning. We ask for you to empower us to remind us that we are not we are not what our fear would tell us but that we are your children created and chosen and selected by you and that we can stand fast hold fast to your faith hold fast to that truth as we walk through life together empower us to be strong Empower us to put aside fear and instead trust you. Trust Lord Jesus. We want to trust in you in everything that we do. And I stand with my brothers and sisters this morning and we cry out to you, say, Lord, help us in our weakness. Lead us more and more to trust in you every step of the way. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray these things, Lord Jesus with great confidence and with great expectations. Amen and amen.